Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? The future! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time with the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and holy, holy hell, it's been a crazy few weeks here in the life of Brad Gilmore. It's why I haven't been able to get to do this podcast. I've been traveling way too much, man. I've, um, see, three weeks ago, I was in Huntsville, Alabama. Then I was in Las Vegas, Nevada. Last week, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I just haven't had time to sit down and, and record one of these shows, but I've got a couple in the can now. I've uh, got a lot of cool stuff that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Today's episode is um, actually an interview that was done with me about Back to the Future and about my new book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. So to say the very least, it's been it's been a crazy few weeks, but that book is coming out soon, man, and uh it's crazy. I actually just got a shipment in, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes before I started doing this podcast, and it's from the publisher, and it's a crate full of books. I haven't opened it yet. Today, um, we're celebrating my father's birthday, and I'm doing, I'm actually hanging out hanging out with him right now. That's why I've only had time to do this podcast. Got off for today, but uh, I'm going to open it up you know, uh, during his birthday festivities and give him the very first copy of the book my old man turned 75 today man so shout out to the old man shout out to old Burley. but anyway um so today on the podcast i'm going to play that interview that i did with sean holt over there with the publisher that's talking about back to the future talking about uh the book and i just really really would love for everybody listening to the show right now to go out there and support this book because it's my first book it's my first project it's a quick read um it's about forty thousand words just go out there and, and support it it's in hardcover and Kindle right now on Amazon. There's going to be an audiobook. I'm not sure if I'm reading the book or not. We're in conversations about it, so I'll keep you updated on that. But um, one thing I did want to get into is there's been several stories coming out lately around Back to the Future and around a certain topic of remaking the films. Now, if you listen to this podcast this season... And of course... Uh, hold on, we're going to play that just in a second. Hold on. 
Um, if you listen to this podcast this season, I've been pretty vocal about I'm not rooting for a Back to the Future remake, reboot, sequel, or anything. I'm not. I don't want it, honestly. I don't want it to happen. Not rooting for it. Bobs and Bobs are like, no, zip it. It's not going to happen ever. But if it were to, I'm open to it. Right? I'm, oh, I'm just open to it. If they do it, I'll go see it. I'll go with an open mind. And if I love it, I love it. That's more Back to the Future. If I don't love it, I never have to watch it again. Now, me and Kevin Smets did a recasting the future where we would recast Back to the Future for 2020 if it were to take place today. And we unanimously picked Marty McFly to be portrayed by Mr. Tom Holland. And we picked Robert Downey Jr. was one of our picks for Doc Brown. And I think someone must have heard that because a viral clip went out of one of those deep fakes where they saw Marty McFly and Doc Brown being portrayed by Tom Holland and RDJ in the Hill Valley High School. And Tom Holland's doing press for a movie that he's in with Chris Pratt called Onward, a Disney Pixar film. And he was asked on BBC Radio 1 about this. And here's what Tom Holland had to say about remaking Back to the Future and playing Marty McFly. And of course, it's been viral, but the Back to the Future deepfake thing... Oh, yes. ...immediately sprang to mind. Doc, she didn't even look at him. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently, your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. How fast would you run away from your agent if she said they're doing a remake and they want you for Marty? I'd be lying if I said there hadn't been conversations in the past about doing some sort of remake, but that film is the most perfect film, or one of the most perfect films, one that could never be made better. Just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. That said... You and Robert, though. If Downey and I could just shoot that one scene that they remade for fun, he could pay for it because he's got loads of money. I would do it for my fee, and we could um, we could remake that scene. I think we owe it to Deep Fake because they did such a good job. Whoa, wait, wait a minute, Doc. Are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Precisely. Whoa, this is heavy. But at first, I was really, like, almost offended. Yeah. I almost thought, I was like, I need to call my lawyer, like, right now and sue someone. This is great. Anyone. I'm going to get paid today. I don't care who. But I didn't because I thought it was a great video. And um, and uh, But yeah, I think I'm going to speak to Robert and see if we can try and recreate something for Deepfake. This has got to be a dream. I don't want to sound like that guy, but I was talking to Robert the other day. Uh, oh, really? He, yeah, I know, right? And he told me that he FaceTimed you and you were in a pub doing, as he called it. All right, they, they continue going on. But that was Tom Holland talking uh, to BBC One Radio about potentially remaking a scene now from Back to the Future. And the thing is this, he's right. Tom Holland's right. Back to the Future is the most perfect movie ever. And you just can't remake perfection. You can't capture that Hill Valley clock tower lightning in a bottle more than once, let alone twice, let alone three times, and then to go for a fourth, I don't know if it's possible. But, again, I'd be open to it, and I think that it'd be fun if we just see the scene, right? If we saw that scene, I wonder if people would be like, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, they've got good chemistry. I really do feel like we've seen Marty and Doc when you watch Spider-Man Homecoming. It feels like the same relationship in some ways, right? 
that Marty and Doc had on screen. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to share that little piece with y'all. Just tell me, tweet me, please, at Brad Gilmore. If Bob and Bob were to sign off on it and say, y'all can go remake Back to the Future. You can do a sequel. You can do a reboot. You can do a soft reboot. You can do a reimagining. Whatever. If Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis signed off on it, would you then be receptive to a Back to the Future remake, reboot, or otherwise? Let me know. Shout at me. Uh, shout at me. Shout at me. Yell at me if you want. <laughs> Tweet me at Brad Gilmore on Twitter. And I, I'd like to get into conversations with it. Now, also, since the last time we spoke, Back to the Future, the musical made its debut. And I, I have it lined up to speak to some people from Back to the Future, the musical. So that's probably going to be next week's episode of Back to the Future, the podcast. So for now, enjoy this, this great, lovely chat I had with Sean Holt over there at... Over there at um, Mango Publishing. And I think the name of the podcast, if you want to check it out, is Friday Night Book Club over there on Apple. So go check that out when you get a chance. So here it is. My interview with Sean Holt, episode 21 of Friday Night Book Club. Back from the future with Brad Gilmore. Oh, Brad, what have you done now? Welcome to Friday Night Book Club. I am, as always, your host, Sean. And with me this week, we have got author Brad Gilmore here to talk about his book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. I don't think I have to explain too much what that is about. It's about Back to the Future. Uh, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in Brad right now and let's hear from him what the book is about. Hi, Brad. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for for being on the show, and I'm I'm super excited because I I love Back to the Future. Like everyone, I think on Earth, I've never heard anyone who doesn't like Back to the Future. Yeah, I, it's definitely you know I did an interview the other day, and they called it the most fun movie ever made, and I think that that's an apt description because whenever you watch the film, you can't help but enjoy yourself. You can't help but to laugh at the jokes that you've heard a thousand times before, but they always land, they always work, and you know Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis did such a great job crafting this world. It 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 really does. It's it's an amazing movie, and one of the few movies that actually has sequels that work too. Like that, all three work. Um, so, so I have this argument and I actually make the argument in the book too. So this is giving a little bit of it away, but I think that back to the future is the greatest pure trilogy ever created, you know, with no other entries in the franchise, there's no spinoffs, there's nothing. There's just the three films, you know, you can go through the list. Star Wars has nine or 11 movies or however many it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, Indiana Jones has a fourth movie that some people like to forget about. There's Jurassic Park that, you know, has added to their pantheon. So when you think about best pure trilogies, it's really either Back to the Future or The Godfather. And let's be honest, that third film kind of uh, suffers a little bit in The Godfather. So mm -hmm. I, I really, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I think Back to the Future is the greatest pure trilogy of all time. And I, I can tell right now from, from your excitement, just talking about Back to the Future, kind of why you wrote this book, where this book comes from. But, but could, could you tell us a little bit about, about kind of the journey? Where, where, where does this book come from? So I was young. So to date myself a little bit. Um, so I was actually born after all the movies had already been released. Right. So I was born in, in the early 1990s and I had to discover these movies much later. And I remember coming home, you know, uh, it was a Friday evening and I turned on the Disney Channel, which most seven year olds do at the time. And they, they had a Back to the Future marathon on. 
Um, which if you look at Back to the Future now, you're kind of thinking, oh, wow, I can't believe it'd, it'd be on the Disney Channel. Um, just for some of the themes, uh, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, the, the, the Oedipal relationship with Marty and, mm-hmm. and, his, and his mother in 1955. But it was on. And I, as many kids do, or whoever sees Back to the Future for the first time, I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, just the story, the time travel, my parents or my mother was born in the 1950s, my grandparents in the early 20th century. So they grew up in that time. So I almost felt like there was like a familial connection to the characters. Um, and I just fell in love with it. And then as the years went by, I just rented the DVDs, rented the VHS tapes from Blockbuster, ran them out. And then, um, in the mid two thousands, my grandmother was actually diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And it kind of even brought me closer to these movies because Michael J. Fox, of course, you know, famously has Parkinson's and he does a lot for Parkinson's research. So then I felt like an even bigger connection to these films. So they always stayed with me for my entire life. And then it was like, you know, 2015, early 2015, around this time, I was really listening to a bunch of podcasts and I was like, I wonder if there's a Back to the Future podcast out there that I can listen to. So I went to the Apple store, search Back to the Future podcast, there wasn't one. And I was like, Oh man, that's crazy. And then I had the idea of like, well, what if I started the back to the future podcast? You know, I I've done, you know, radio and podcasting, you know, for the better part of that time for half a decade, now a full mm-hmm. decade. And I was like, why don't I start it? So I did. And I started reaching out to people and, you know, people like Claudia Wells who played Jennifer Parker, Jeffrey Wiseman, um, Kevin Pike, who's a special effects supervisor. All these people were like really receptive to coming on a podcast to talk about back to the future. And so that, kind of, you know, tumbled into a lot of people downloading the show, it getting, you know, a lot of places, me talking to even people like Crispin Glover or going down to the DeLorean headquarters and getting a personal tour from the owner of DeLorean and all these things that I never would have imagined. And that kind of led me to thinking, well, what's the next step for the podcast? The next step for the podcast is to go further in depth with some of these things that I've always thought about or, or wanted to kind of expound upon. And I thought, man, maybe the book would be the best way to do it. Right. And it's, it really is a, an amazing journey. Um, just, just to, just to read about, just to, to hear about, like, uh, I, I am so jealous of, of you chatting with Crispin Glover, who I am just a huge fan of, of everything he does really. Um, he's fantastic, but is, is, is the book kind of a, a mishmash of these experiences, these interviews is it's, it's, is it more than that? It's kind of a, like a diving deep in, into, into the themes, into the, the background and into all of kind of the nitty gritty of back to the future. So it's a little bit of everything, right? So there were other books that were already written about the making of back to the future. Um, there's the ultimate visual history, which is a phenomenal book. Um, and then there's, there's Cassine Gaines book. We don't need roads, the making of the back to the future trilogy. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to write a back to the future book, it has to be different. It has to have a different angle to it, but I'd still need, if a layman picks up the book for the first time, uh, and wants to read about, know about back to the future, I need to cover that background information. So much like the movies, my book is actually in three parts. And the first part is the, the making of the first three films. Uh, a really uh, just an overview. I didn't want to go too heavy in depth with too many stories and go down too many rabbit holes like the Eric Stoltz stuff. I mean, I cover everything. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of give people the background in the first part of the book. This is the things you need to know about how the story came about, where the idea came from, how they came to the cast of characters that they got, how the s- sequels were created. And then I wanted to dump, you know, dive into the real fandom. And so the second part of the book talks about future day. 
the day that actually occurred in, you know, in October mm-hmm. of 2015 and what I did on that day and all the things that happened on that day and really recounting it from a fan's perspective. And then my favorite chapter of the book is a uh, kind of an adaptation from the podcast. It's called American time story, old man Biff. And there is a, um, there is a scene in back to the future two that was cut uh, featuring old man Biff coming back to 2015. And I kind of go, really in depth of why that was a bad idea to cut that scene, what that scene meant and, 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 and the story of that scene that wasn't told on screen that was told off screen. So, I mean, I have stuff like that. And I also have a, the third part of the book talks about, I, I, it's called the almanac and it's ranking a lot of my favorite moments from the movie, the favorite looks of the DeLorean doc's best inventions, the best side characters that I call the friends in time. So there's all kinds of, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's really a fan's, book it's a book from a fan from one of the biggest back to the future fans in the world uh to all the other fans to really feel why this expansive universe is so important and one of the best time travel stories ever told or the greatest time travel story ever told and it's 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 interesting that you talk about uh you didn't come to it until kind of later on until all all three movies were out because i mm-hmm. i'm uh the the opposite side of that where i i saw them as they were released because i'm I'm from the, uh, from like, it sounds like I am a time traveler, but I was, I was born, born in in the mid seventies. So, so I I saw them as, as they came out and waited for them at that to be continued. And then that long wait of what's the next one. Uh, and obviously two and three, the wait was, uh, was much less, but still three, what a huge surprise, um, that was that, that we kind of end up in the one time for the whole time. But uh, that that must have really kind of changed how how you view it because you would have viewed it, I would imagine, just kind of at once. Is is that the case? Did you see all three? Just like sit down and see them as one big movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got to see them all three back to back to back for the first time when I was about seven years old, and I like begged my mother the next day to take me to the local blockbuster so I could rent them again and and relive them again and again and again. And it was crazy because I went to school that following Monday and none of my friends have ever heard of Back to the Future. Like not a single one of them had even heard of it. And I was like, oh my God, you got to see this incredible movie. And I didn't know if it was released last week or in, you know, 30 years ago. I didn't know. It just came on the Disney channel and it looked like an awesome movie. So I watched it and it, 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 it does come, it, it makes me look at the movies definitely from a different perspective, especially my age. Like my brother was born in, in 76, my oldest brother in 69. I was born in 92, my sister in 86. So like I, I've watched the movies with them and, and got to experience them and, and, and ask them things. Like if I didn't get the joke, or I didn't understand the reference at the time, which I, of course I do now living it through them. And like I said, seeing 1955, uh, seeing 1985, I felt like I had a, a bigger connection now to my family. And I think that's what's cool about Back to the mm-hmm. Future is it's a generational movie. Like you can watch it with your dad. My dad was born in 45. You can watch it with your dad or you can watch it with your nephew, which I just did this weekend, who's 10 years old. And he has all these questions about Back to the Future. And it always translates. And it's really weird for a movie in 1985 where there were a lot of practical effects. It's not a CGI movie like we see today to still have a connection to people of all ages and to hold up. And that's why I think it's such a great movie is because the story holds up like it's 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 a forever story that always will resonate. And it's really not even based upon um, ethnic or cultural backgrounds at all. Everyone can relate to the idea because the germ of the story came from Bob Gale, who was a co-creator and co-writer of the film, found a yearbook in his dad's attic 
and he found out that his dad was the class president of the same high school that he went to. And he was like, Oh man, like the class president in my school was a total tool. I would have never associated with this guy. I wonder if I would have been friends with my father if we went to high school together. And that's where the idea for the movie came from. And I think that that's why it translates. It makes you think about, I wonder what my parents were like when they were teenagers or I wonder, was my mom really fast and loose when she was a teenager and, you know, <laughs> parking in cars with boys and stuff. And it makes you kind of think about that. And, 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 it, and it really, it humanizes your parents in a way too, right? Like you think of your parents mm-hmm. as these mythological figures who have always been adults and then to realize, Oh, they've been children before and I can relate to, and they can relate to me and I can relate to them with certain things. So I think that's why the story is held up so well. You, you are right though. Cause it, it really has influenced kind of how I see the past and how I see well, what I still think of as the future, but is now the recent past. Um, yeah, there's so many things that happen in the world, and I and I think to myself, oh yeah, that's kind of Back to the Future ish. Uh, there, there's so. I mean, like even even like I remember when when Apple came out with the um, with the Touch ID, and you could pay for things. A- Apple Pay. Right. And you can mm-hmm. pay for things with your thumbprint. The first thing I thought of, uh, oh, this is like back to the future, too. I'm paying with stuff with my thumb, you know, and it, it is crazy how now that these three movies are about the past. That's partially where the title comes from is like we're back from the future. Like this is now we're looking at back at, at all these movies that were about the future in a lot of ways um, and and really enjoying them. And also the, the title of the book comes from when Marty runs up to Doc at the end of Back to the Future 2. And Doc goes, Marty, I just sent you back to the future. And he says, yeah, I'm back. I'm back from the future, which is one of my favorite moments in the, in the entire trilogy. So that's kind of where the title comes from, too. Mm. Yeah, because it, it really, like, how, how often do we mention hoverboards, right? And, uh, and that disappointment that another product that is not a hoverboard is now called a hoverboard. Not even close. It's not even close. I would appreciate it if it was, like, close. Like, if it was, like, you know, vacuums, it would, you know, make it hover and you could skate across. I don't know how they would do it, but it's not even close. Mm-hmm. The hoverboards that we have now are not even anywhere remotely uh, uh, resemble what we saw Marty McFly have in, in Back to the Future 2. Yeah, no, pe- people should boycott them so that we can get rid of it and we can get something in that actually fits a hoverboard. Uh, right. but, uh, but also the past, like, I, I I don't know if this happened with you, but I, I also was a huge fan of Back to the Future when, when I was a kid. And it, it influenced some of the music I was listening to. Like, I was a, a dorky little kid listening to the Penguins singing Earth Angel and, and l- listening to, to Chuck Berry and, and all this stuff. Did, did the same thing ha- happen with you? So, yeah. So um, when I was in high school, uh, we, I was a part of the, of the music program, right? And we had to do this thing for Valentine's Day where they had us, uh, where people would buy uh, Valentine's grams or whatever it was called, or singing grams. And, mm-hmm. and, and we would go around class to class and we would sing these songs, right? So one of them was like, you know, it's like all the, it's like, you know, uh, can't help falling in love with you by Elvis and, and, uh, uh, my girl by the temptations. And then they were trying to think of a third song we could do. And of course I was like, what if we do earth angel? <laughs> and I, like, I, I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged for us to do earth angel and they let us do it. So that was like my, my Marvin Barry moment, uh, from <laughs> back to the future one and two of, of being able to sing earth angel in high school to, to people. But yeah, it, Definitely. How could you not listen to the power of love, which I think is the eighties movie song. Now, of course I'm biased Mm -hmm. and there's others, definitely other contenders. Um, But that, that film, I mean, that song 
it's just like, you don't need a credit card to ride this train. You know what I mean, Sean? You don't need the credit card to ride this train. And, and, and I just, I love Huey Lewis and the news from, for that. And I probably mm. wouldn't have discovered them had it not been for Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they got a, a huge bump from 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 the movie. I knew them a little. I had a friend who had a cassette of theirs that we listened to all the time at Sylvan Lake because it's the only cassette that we had uh, for our stereo. So we played it over and over, uh, hoping to impress the girls. They were not impressed. But, uh, <laughs> so, no so power was, of love in that early tape, huh? Yeah, no power of love yet. Uh, that was yeah. the problem right there. Yeah, no, no power. <laughs> that would have changed everything. That was the the deal breaker for sure. Uh, but it, it is, and you, you talk a little bit about the, uh, the 2015, um, the, the on, on future day. And I, I remember where I was cause I was, uh, with my now wife, um, on one of our early dates at the science museum in Vancouver. And they showed it on the, on the giant screen. And there was like a little talk with the science of back to the future. And there was this, this whole big to do, but that was happening everywhere. Like it just goes to, to talk about kind of the power that, that this had and without giving too, too much away, because I know it, it is part, part of the book as well. Uh, but where, where were you for, for future day? Was, was that a big thing for you? I mean, it was huge, you know what I mean? At the, and, and the thing is I started the podcast in April, 2015. So we had about six month run leading up to future day. And I thought, you know, that's partially the reason I started too. It was like, it's 2015. We got to talk about back to the future. And um, when that day came around in October, I remember waking up and scrolling through Twitter and I saw uh, somebody with the USA Today, uh, you know, uh, newspaper in their hand because USA Today actually did uh, mm -hmm. a variant cover or a special edition cover with the 2015 Hill Valley uh, article about, you know, youth jailed or what have you. And um, I was like, oh, my God, where is that? And I, I go into it in depth in the book, but I I almost <laughs> I almost, you know, got into a lot of trouble trying to procure the copy of that newspaper from from future day and then of course i had to go and watch the movies and just enjoy it and i remember jimmy kimmel had doc and marty you know christopher lloyd and, and michael j fox on the show and everything was back to the future and and it, and it made me think like okay maybe i'm not this crazy person to be obsessed <laughs> with this these films um because literally i mean everything i do is back to the future you know another one of my you know day jobs is I commentate for professional wrestling uh, for a guy named Booker T who's a WWE hall of famer. Yeah. I'm and, very, um, very familiar with, with, uh, with Booker T and professional wrestling. Yeah. So we, we host a radio show together and I do his uh, wrestling show, his, his independent wrestling show. So I, I do the commentary and I remember um, it was the week of future day. We were, we were heading to do a show and one of the wrestlers had never seen back to the future before. And I was like, how have you never seen this movie? Like, we're the same age. Like, you've had to have seen this at some point. He's like, no, I've never seen it. I said, well, I tell you what. So I said, give me your address. So he, he gave me his address. I uh, went on Amazon. I bought him the trilogy, sent it to his house. And I said, now this is what we're going to do. Tonight in your match, I'm going to make a bunch of Back to the Future references that you will <laughs> not understand at all. And I want you to watch your match back, then watch the entire trilogy and watch your match again and see if you understand it. And uh, it, so that was one of the things I remember doing future week because I was like, how has somebody never seen back to the future? But it made me feel so cool to see, to see all the celebration for the films, to mm -hmm. see, um, you know, the back in time documentary that came out by Jason Aaron, the book by Cassim Gaines, um, the, the 35th or the 30th anniversary trilogy that came in a flux capacitor box. Um, I, I was just so enthralled 
future day. And, and, and we go in further in, into it in the book or I do, but, um, it, it was a really, really special day. And, and I almost wish that, you know, it, 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 it hadn't have come yet. I wish we were still looking forward to mm-hmm. it because once again, being born after 1985, I didn't get to experience any one of the dates in back to the future. I wasn't alive, obviously in the 1880s or the 1950s or the 1980s. So this was going to be my first and only day from the films that I could actually experience or time period. So that, so that was really cool. And now it's weird to think about back to the future being films about the past, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wish this future day would have lasted a little longer. Oh, like, like I was saying, I, I still think about it as, as the future. It's the same with all of those, those films that we've kind of gone past the future that they saw, right? Like Terminator mm-hmm. two and, and all of these movies, I still see as the future, very much back to the future. And uh, to, to just really briefly talk about wrestling, cause that is a real rabbit hole for me okay. that I can get very excited about, but how, how excited are you that Kushida is over in the States now? Um, like the back oh, yeah. to the future wrestler. Yeah. I actually want to reach out to him and see if I, if we can't do something, uh, together for the, for the book, or at least I can get him a copy of the book. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a guy who comes out in the Marty McFly vest and looks at his watch, you know, in the, in the ring. So it's definitely, it's definitely cool. And, you know, there's actually been like uh, several wrestling references to back to the future over the years. CM Punk, I remember dropped the, the great sports almanac on raw one time. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so there's, there's references. So I love it when my worlds come together and you wouldn't ever think of Booker T massive fan of back to the future, huge back to the future fan. And it's one of the things that we actually talk about from time to time on, on, on our, on our radio show, the hall of fame on ESPN radio. Um, we talk about back to the future sometimes. So it's fun to uh, have that crossover. Do you, do you think it's, it's, uh, is back to the future kind of a movie that, um, like it's, it's obviously a movie of its time and it's a movie that, that had such success in that time and continues to have success, but partially because it's of that time, is there a possibility of having something else that is that kind of lightning in a bottle? Like, it seems like people keep trying or is, is that something that's so of the 1980s that we can't really get that sort of thing again? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that you can, I mean, you can make successful time travel movies still, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you look at Avengers Endgame, which is essentially a time travel story that references Back to the Future a few times, um, you know, you can definitely make a fun, compelling time travel story. But I think that it is a movie that had it come, like, think about this. Think about in 2020, if you pitch a movie where a a boy goes back, you know, because there are some themes that that are a little bit, I don't know. They don't bother me, but I can see how they could bother some people, mm-hmm. right? The, the relationship with the mother in 1955 could be a little weird nowadays. If you, if you try to, you know, make it in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, Marty kind of inventing rock and roll is problematic <laughs> from a certain perspective. If you, if you want to look into it that way as you know, it was, it was done innocently enough, but you know, you can look into certain things. So I think that it, it might actually have a difficulty being made in 2020, uh, believe it or not in, in some respects, but, I think, and I'm not one of these people who say, oh man, it's, it, you can't touch it. I don't want you to touch it. It's perfect. Don't, don't mess with it. I, over the years, have come around to the idea of them reboot, rebooting or, re, or doing a sequel. Oh, okay. or, because here's the thing. I came to this realization when I saw the Ghostbusters uh, movie with the, the all-female cast. I think it was called Ghostbusters Answer the Call or something like that. Mm-hmm. I saw the movie in theaters. I was excited for it, and I did not like it. I didn't think it was a good film. It had nothing to do with the all-female cast or anything. I just didn't like the movie. I just didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't do it for me. 
And when I was leaving the theater, I was like, man, I would hate if they ever did something like that to Back to the Future. And then that same day, I was like, I want to go back and watch Ghostbusters now to kind of palate cleanse. And I realized when I was watching Ghostbusters after seeing the newest one, I still love Ghostbusters just as much. And it didn't affect my enjoyment of Ghostbusters one and two. And I think it'd be the same with Back to the Future. So my thing is like, if they make another Back to the Future movie, the worst thing is I don't like it and I never have to see it again. And it doesn't affect my trilogy. Mm -hmm. But if I love it and it's awesome, we now have another Back to the Future movie. And that's phenomenal for everybody. So um, I would, I'm open to them doing it. Now, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale both said over my dead body. So I'm not holding my breath that they're going to do another one. I'm not, I'm not pushing for it, but I'm open to the idea. So if they were, if there were to be another movie that could capture that magic, I think it would be a a sequel to Back to the Future or or a reimagining of it. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever see that, but I'm open to the idea. Well, and, and you do make a good point that it just adds to it, right? It's, it's like Star Wars. Maybe you don't love every Star Wars, but I still, every time I watch Empire Strikes Back, think it's the greatest movie ever made. And, yeah, the original trilogy. And, and yeah. nothing will ever disrupt that. And, and there, there are also those instances like Mad Max Fury Road, where you get a remake that's actually even better than the original trilogy. That movie's phenomenal. One, one of the best movies of the last decade. So, I mean, you, you, it can be done. It can be mm-hmm. done, Sean. And, and, <laughs> and that's why I think that um, somebody like, I mean, I don't know if Robert Zemeckis would ever have interest in doing that. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, give somebody a, an opportunity to, to continue the story. I'm, I'm for it. Like, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and get on my stump and, and try to block the movie from being created. I think that you can make new fun. Because, I mean, when you talk about Star Wars, I liked uh, Force Awakens. I thought it's a really fun movie. Yeah. I enjoy it. And that was kind of like a, a, a great example of, of what I'm talking about. Hey, that's a, that's a great movie. I just got a great, a new, a new Star Wars movie with Han Solo in it. And I really liked it. And, um, and so you, you can do that. And so that's why I'm open to the idea. Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent with you on Force Awakens. I, uh, I love it. I, I, I put it third overall in the, in the series, honestly. It's way high up on my list. It's high up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's terrific. I think Ray's such a cool character. Uh, awesome. But uh, yeah, th- thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to chat. I think that's pro- probably a good place to, to kind of, can I say, it. can I say yeah. one more thing then? Please okay. Do. So I, I, this is my, so back to the future is full of great quotes, right? I mean, mm. when this baby hits 88, you're going to see some serious, you know, what uh, great Scott, this is heavy. Uh, there's so many, you know, why you make like a tree and get out of here. My favorite, I just want to leave you with this. This is my favorite quote from back to the future. It's in back to the future one. Marty McFly has just woken up in Lorraine Baines' house. He realizes that's his mother. He's freaking out. He goes downstairs to sit down for dinner. He's having dinner with his, um, you know, uncles and, 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 and aunts or what have you, and, and his future mom and his future grandparents. And anyway, he, he freaks out when his mom grabs his knee and he runs out of the house, right? He darts out. He got, he's got to get out of there. And his future grandfather says, or his grandmother says, what a strange young man. And then his grandfather says, he's an idiot. It comes from upbringing. His parents are probably idiots too. That's my favorite line from Back to the Future. It's the greatest line in the movies. His parents, I say it all the time. His parents are probably idiots too. <laughs> my favorite I, I, I quote it a lot and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we all do. Um, but I, again, the, the book Back from the Future celebrated 
Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. The author, Brad Gilmore, and that book comes out April 14th. There is going to be a link in the show notes so you can pre-order that right now. And we're also going to have a link to, uh, to Brad's uh, other podcast or podcasts because um, he's, he's got quite a few projects on the go. And definitely check out that Booker T because if you don't know who Booker T is, you need to learn who he is because yes. you are going to love him. Uh, but Brad, uh, I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, I could talk about Back to the Future all day. Oh, I mean, I, I could too. And I, I just appreciate you having me. I appreciate Mango for giving me the opportunity to write a book about my favorite you know, movie series of all time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 